You, you know, I can always tell when midterms or finals are coming, you know. I walk out of my office over into, like, the uh, student pavilion. There's people living out there 24 hours, you know. I don't know if they change or what, but they, you guys start looking rough and serious, and I say hi, and you just stare back at me with these sunken eyes and desperate look. I kind of feel like Jesus when he went by the pool of Bethesda and all the people are, you know, trying to get into the water to get the miracle of the angel, you know. I, I want to tell you a miracle's here for you today. And you're just going to have to take my word for it because I know right now you're going, Willie, please just hurry up and shut up so I can go study a book. Well, I'm not going to hurry. But I'm going to tell you, if you'll take this moment to pause, whether you listen to me, if you go to sleep, please just don't snore or drool on the person next to you. But if you will just pause and let your mind be at rest, you will do better than if you cram for this next hour. I guarantee you. How about that? So just receive what God has for you. You know, they were doing uh, a show on NPR about sequels of movies, the worst sequels. And they were listing all these sequels. And they were saying some that just topics that reoccur, even from years back, there's just topics that come back and they were trying to judge why and certain movies keep popping up decade after decade. And one of them that they came up with was Titanic, the subject of the sinking of the Titanic. Now, how many of you saw Titanic? Raise your hand. Yes, look at that, a man that's comfortable in, yeah. The girls are, oh yes. Oh, you know, standing on it. You remember it. You know you liked it. You don't want to admit it now, but you did. Well, they made a lot of money on Titanic. So guess what they're doing? It's coming out again. What's the difference? None, except it's 3D. I don't know how it's going to be. That might freak me out. I might go to it just a, I don't know, the tipping of the ship thing. What is it about the Titanic that we're so interested in? There's a lot of ships that have sunk. I mean, look at the, look at the ship over there just recently with Carnival. I, I don't think, I, well, we might get a movie on it, but what's there about the Titanic? I think we're entranced with the Titanic because of the claim that it made. This ship is unsinkable. This ship is the grandest ship that had ever been built. It's Titanic. You know, they didn't name it the good ship, Wee. They go, Titanic? You can't say Titanic. There was an inter interesting article a while back in um, uh, USA Today, April 9th. It, it was talking about the Titanic, and they made a discovery, and I, I hadn't heard this before until I was researching this. I don't know if you heard this. It says, scientists now say that a series of slits not a giant gash, sank the Titanic. The opulent 900-foot cruise ship sank in 1912 on its first voyage from England to New York. 1,500 people died in the worst maritime disaster of the time. Now, the most widely held theory was that the ship hit an iceberg, which opened a huge gash in the side of the liner. Remember in the movie, you know, all the ice is flying in? But an international team of divers and scientists recently used sound waves to probe the wreckage buried in the mud under two and a half miles of water. And what was their discovery? The damage was surprisingly small. Not the big, huge gas, small. 
In fact, what they found, instead of the huge gash, they found six relatively narrow slits across the six watertight holes. The takeaway is small damage, invisible to most, can not only sink a great ship, but a great reputation. Let's take a moment and pray. So Lord, may we pause and hear. May we understand. May we be changed. May we come to understand how you would work in our life, how our life can be abundant and all we dream it to be, how we can achieve that, Lord. Whisper to our hearts, hold us close, and change our minds and lives forever. I pray in your name. Amen. Small damage can sink a great reputation. I want to go through the Bible story today of, you, with, of Jacob. Jacob, it's a long story. A part of Genesis is, um, designates a huge amount towards Jacob. But if you think of Jacob's life, Jacob's life had some certain gashes in it, some slits, so to speak, that caused him issues all of his life. Now, he had a very interesting birth. This is one person we know from literally birth to grave in the Bible. He had an interesting birth in that his mother was pregnant with twins. Now, it's very important to know which twin came out first. Because if you were a male, which she had two males, the first male to come out would get the birthright. Now, the birthright meant the blessings of God and the family, the rulership of the family, the patriarch of the family, the wealth. Lots of things went with the birthright. So the story is told in Genesis of how the first one to put their arm out of their mother, they tied the band around to make sure who it was. It turned out to be Esau. When Esau was born, he was the firstborn. He was the guy that was going to get it. But the Bible notes something very interesting. I don't see it mentioned anywhere else like this in Scripture about a birth. It says that when Esau was born, when Jacob came out, he had hold of Esau's heel. That would have been kind of freaky to see a little hand, you know, coming out. It's kind of weird to picture, you know. I guess maybe that's why, whoa, he grabbed his heel. But it's symbolic of something that was endemic in the nature of Jacob. Jacob is going to grab for what he wants. Jacob will use any means necessary. Jacob had some serious character issues. Point number one today. The ends, the end never justifies means. The end never justifies the means, for with God the ends are the means. Let's unpack that. So Jacob grows up, but he hears the promise that is revealed to Isaac and to his mother. He, he hears the promise that even though he's the younger, he gets the birthright. Totally unheard of in the day. That just breached all protocol of culture. But God had promised, had told them, no, I want the birthright to go to Jacob, the younger. Now, growing up, I think if you were Esau, you'd be a little miffed at that. Say, hey, look, I was born first. Why are you going to switch it up on me? But as the story progressed, we find out two character faults, or the character faults of both of these brothers. This family had issues. Okay. Esau could have cared less about the birthright except when he knew Jacob wanted it. How do we know that? 
And what we're going to find out about Jacob is Jacob is all for God, but he's all about doing it himself. The story moves along that as they get older, they're young men now. Esau's the hairy hunter. The Bible says he was hairy with red hair. I don't want to picture that. Robin Williams with red hair or something. <laughs> and he likes to hunt. Oh, the manly man. And Jacob likes to stay, stay at home, hang out with his mom, and cook. All right, that's the differentiation. The birthright's coming, but we have another problem. You see Isaac. Now, Isaac, son of Abraham, the one God says, my friend, the one who's going to do my nation. Isaac, the good kid growing up, has a character fault too. Because God told him to give the birthright to Jacob, but he didn't want to. And he's getting old. He liked Esau. He liked the manly man. He liked to eat that barbecued whatever he'd bring from the, from, you know, the wilderness, fresh, fresh meat. He, he liked his oldest boy. And so he was going to not do what God told him to do. And he was going to, he told Esau, go out and catch me, whatever it was. Curry, goat, I don't know what he's out there getting. No, 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 he didn't. He wanted venison. And I'm going to do the birthright. So Esau's like, yo-ho, I will go kill and come back. Prepare the savory meat, the Bible says. In the meantime, I'm forgetting, what the mother is Rebecca, right? Dillis, help me out there. Is it? It works. Enough heads. How many say Rebecca? That's her name. <laughs> Rebecca hears about it. She likes Jacob better, and she remembers God's promise. It's very deadly when your wife not only likes something and wants something to happen, but they use God on you guys. You're done. So, but she's realizing Isaac is getting old and contrary, so he's going to do what he's going to do. So she goes to her boy, and this is a character fault passed on him. Says, you know what, son? You're supposed to have the birthright. Silently to herself, God isn't taking care of this, so I will, so we're going to make. So she goes, skins a goat, and she puts it on him so he'd have hairy arms. And she takes goat and curries it. That's where the curry goat comes in. You ever had a curry goat? Okay. Anyway, so and the food is good. And so they plats this, this system where he goes in and deceives his father. You see, to them, the ends justified the means. God had promised it. God's taken too long. God helped souls who help themselves. Have you ever heard that? Please. So they're helping themselves to the birthright. Jacob received the birthright, but he lost a lot. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, you know why I said Esau really didn't care about the birthright? Because he'd been on a hunting trip before and he came back and Jacob was cooking up some of those lentil beans that he cooked up. And Esau was hungry, so he sold it for a pot of beans. Yeah, the guys are going, that's a good trade. <laughs> so now the deception is hatched, it's done. Jacob figures he signed everything, crossed every T, dotted every I, did what God wanted. He already had Esau given birthright. Now he tricked it. It had to be a little sneaky with dad, but hey, he wasn't going along with God. He's got the birthright, but he's destroyed his life. You see, with God, the ends, living a godly life, following the processes that scripture gives you, being a person of honesty, integrity, truth, love, all the things that are in there is not something you do here. It's something that you live all your life and grow up into the, the ends are the means. But what Jacob has done brings me to my second point. And this is a powerful one. Life is about choices and choices have consequences. 
Why is it that we make stupid choices and then we get mad at God when we get the consequences you know are coming? You go to a party, you get drunk, you get in your car and you drive, you get stopped by the policeman, you get a DUI, and you're mad at God. God said, drink, drive. You find a guy that everybody's saying, don't fall in love with him, that boy is no good. But I love him. <laughs> I can fix him. When does that ever work? Well, my wife fixed me maybe once, but uh, you know, you're taking an awful chance. And then when he breaks your heart, but what happened, God? You've abandoned him. God's just like, give me a break. Life is about choices, and choices have consequences. The choices that Jacob made brought consequences. What were some of those consequences? He has to flee for his life because Esau's reneging on the thing. And you know what? Esau's a good shot. What's he going to do? What's Jacob going to do? Hit him with a pot ladle, you know, or something? Here's Jacob like, come on, man. Drop him at a thousand yards. He's running for his life. He's exiled from his home, his culture, his town, his future. And to make it worse, Jacob never sees his beloved mother alive again. Choices, life is about choices. And choices have consequences. What choices are you making in your life? Well, Jacob, you see, had a problem with disequilibrium. We've been talking about wholeness. We're focusing on wholeness this quarter. We, we just had a whole week of renewal that talked about finding equilibrium. And, you know, in Jacob's life, he has a complete problem of disequilibrium. What do I mean? On one hand, he has God's promises. He did. I mean, wouldn't you like to know that? Why didn't God tell my mom that? Terry, when you were born, God came to me and said, you're going to be successful. You're going to be all this. And it's a promise from God. I would have walked away. That's pretty cool. Walked through life. Oh, you having hard times? Oh, I got a promise from God. God came down and said to your parent, you know, when your child grows up, they're going to graduate from Loma Linda. Magna cum laude. Get an instant job. Win the lottery, even though they don't enter it, and get all their loans paid back. I mean, it's just, you'd walk into this place, Loma Linda, when you applied, and they're like, well, shall we take you? Oh, excuse me. God said. <laughs> he had the promises of God, but the problem was the disequilibrium came because Jacob would always try to play it out his way. Tricking Esau, fooling his father, running off and lying, causing problems. The disequilibrium in Jacob's life comes from Jacob wanted the blessings. That's good. Want the blessings of God. That's a good thing. But Jacob wouldn't live like God wanted him to. Oh, okay. You want all that blessing of God, but you get upset when he doesn't come through. But how are you living? What relationship do you have with him? He's not like this. You punch a few buttons and the magic, you know, it's not like a rat maze. You guys like rat mazes. You clinical lab people or you research people. Here I am. You know the little rats they have? And you train them that if they do something, get a few little yummy pellets. Well, God's not like a uh, rat maze you created and you do the right thing and he drops a little blessing pellets on you. It's a relationship. It's a truth. I remember my second daughter, Mia. She was maybe about three years old. 
And Mia, if you're listening, I'm, I'm throwing you under the bus because she was my little sneaky kid. I called her sweet girl, but there was a side. She was a sneaky little kid. She didn't like getting in trouble either, averse to punishment, discipline. There's one day we walk into the kitchen when I was in graduate school. My wife had, had made some chocolate cake, and it was sitting on the counter. And when my wife and I walked in and around the corner, this is what we saw. Little eyes doing this. <laughs> and cheeks doing And we, she didn't see us, and we go, Mia? And she went, Mia, come here. Mia walks around the corner. Mia, did you eat that chocolate cake? No. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. Now, unbeknownst to Mia, all over her face is icing, just like, <laughs> I didn't do it. And we know better. Jacob knew better. Jacob understood consequences. But we act like we can live life any way we want, and it doesn't matter. Which brings me to my third point. I have a new definition I'm working on on wholeness, just like this place needs another one. We just come up with equilibrium, but I got one I'm, I'm gonna work on. I'll try it on you. If it doesn't work, don't tell me, because my ego couldn't take it. Just not and say, yes, that's the one. After my loss of my Niners, moment of silence. Prayers for people who clapped when they said they lost. <laughs> that was good for my Christianity. Pray for your enemies and those who despitefully use you, but that's me. The wholeness definition I have, wholeness is a life of integrated integrity. Integrated integrity. Can you say it? I'll let you out of chapel early if you did. Oh, what did he say? What did he say? Integrated integrity. You didn't say it, so you're stuck. Integrated means marked by a unified control of all aspects. A unified control of all aspects of character. Unified. All aspects. And integrity is firm adherence to a code of moral values, uh, an unimpaired condition, the quality of a state of being complete or undivided, so that in all the parts of your life, there's this unified thing that oversees all of them. It isn't like, and this is an old show, but you could go Google it or something. Flip Wilson had a, used to have a comedy show. He's a black African-American comedian. And he had this one character that whenever that character got in trouble, they would never take acceptance for what they did. they say, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. And sometimes we have one part of our life where we have integrity and another part where we don't, and we think we can have a balanced life. It's integrated, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, whatever else is inside of you, all one, unified, incorruptible, sound, complete. That's what God's goal and desire was for Jacob. That's what he wanted from him. That no matter what situation, no matter what instant, no matter what portion of your brain you're using, it's the same walk with God that you're true and honest and genuine about where you're at. If you're doing well, be honest about it. If you're not, be honest about it. But how can you ever have wholeness, equilibrium, or integrated integrity unless you have those things combined? Ah. So we go with our story. Let's fast forward ahead. 
very quickly. Jacob has gone back to his uncles. He fell in love with Rachel. He wanted Rachel. Worked seven years to get her. Worked seven years. Guys, you think you have a hard time. He worked seven years. And then on the wedding night, honeymoon moment, surprise, his older sister Leah, wait a minute. So his father says, well, if you want Rachel, I'll give her to you now, but you got to work another seven years. Man, what kind of parenting? Jacob is now leaving. God has still blessed him in spite of himself, still helping him to learn, increased his flocks, even though his uncle was dishonest with him, which I find funny. Jacob got mad at this, this whole family. Do a genogram on these people. I mean, they got some really issues. His uncle lies. I mean, gives one daughter. Did he think he wouldn't find out? <laughs> Tries to steal flocks. Just a mess, this family. But at one point, Jacob says, I'm taking my wives. I'm taking my flocks. I'm going back home. I'm done. So he takes off, but as he's approaching his homeland, he gets word from someone. Hey, your brother Esau knows you're coming, and he's bringing over 400 warriors with him. Well, Jacob thought about that, and he said, let's see, why would Esau be coming? 400 warriors, he wants to do a military parade to welcome me home. It was bad enough just Esau coming, but now he's got 400 warriors. And all Jacob has is a bunch of kids, a bunch of goats and animals running around, and people that hurt him. Not exactly a big battle flotilla coming on his side. So what does Jacob do? Jacob is terrified for Esau. So, of course, Jacob at this point has surely learned to trust in God, that God made promises, that he could depend on him. So I'm sure Jacob falls to his knees and he just says, God, I'm okay, you're with me, whatever I face. Because he's got that integrated integrity going, no, 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 no. Jacob goes to Jacob. He turns to him, he says, okay, okay, yeah, I can figure this out, I can figure this out, because I'm sneaky Jacob, I control, I'm, I can do this, I can do this. Think, 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 ah. Oh. I will buy off Esau's anger. I'm a rich guy, but if I'm dead, these cattle, camel, sheep, whatever I have running around here, they're not going to do me any good. So here's the plan he comes up with. I will have them go first. Then I'll have my servants go next. Then I'll have Leah and the kids go next. Man, poor Leah. And then I'll have Rachel and Joseph, who I really love, go last. <laughs> and so here's his thought. Do you understand what he's saying here? So if Esau's really mad... He can kill a whole bunch of cattle, camels, sheep, and if he's still ticked off, he can kill my servants. And if he's really mad, maybe he'd wind down now and kill Leah and the kids because Leah's driving me crazy anyway. <laughs> but if it comes to that, hey, you know, sorry, Rachel and Joseph, but. And he stayed on the other side of the river. Now, wives, do we see some marital counseling need to come here? But you know what? He inherited that too because if you go back to Abraham, Abraham twice, Sarah, my beloved Sarah, when Pharaoh wanted to say, hey, that woman is fine. Why don't you go get her for me? And they go to Abraham. He says, look, Sarah, do me a favor. Tell them you're my sister because they'll kill me because you're so beautiful. <laughs> really? He did it again with a Bimlech, genogram on this thing. And then it happens. He's alone. He's out of options. And I want to read to you what, he, what happens next. Genesis 32, 22 through 8, if you want to follow along with me. He's alone. He's terrified. He does not know what to do. 
And it says, during the night, Jacob got up. He sent everybody across the Jabbok River. And after they were on the other side, he sent over all his possessions. Then this left Jacob all, Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn. Now, what do you think was going through Jacob's mind? Esau or one of his assassins have me. I'm wrestling for my life till dawn. How, you talk about a fight scene. Till dawn, he's wrestling this guy, and he can't overcome him. And he's worried, and he's scared, and he's probably praying, God, where are you? Where are your promises? Why don't you come fix this? The devil's going to take me out through my evil brother. And he wrestles with him till dawn. He feels abandoned by God. He felt the powers of darkness coming in on him. And all of a sudden, it says in the verse, and it doesn't say why, it says all of a sudden, Jacob realizes something. He says, when the man saw that he couldn't win the match, he struck him on the hip and knocked it out of joint. Ouch. Then the man said, let me go, for it's done. But Jacob panted, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You see, somewhere along the line, Jacob realized he wasn't wrestling the enemy. He wasn't wrestling the devil. He's wrestling God. He's wrestling God. And it finally comes to his mind when his hip's out of joint. That has to hurt. Any PT people, would that really hurt? I mean, would that be painful? If I had a finger out of joint, but, you know. He's wrestling with God. I want you to pause and think about that. What are you wrestling with today? Are you in a battle that nobody's seen, but, but you're, you're fighting for your life. You're wrestling. What are you wrestling with? And maybe if you, you have some spiritual thoughts to you and you're thinking, God, where are you? I'm, I'm wrestling with this final. I'm wrestling with this crazy schedule. I'm wrestling with trying to work and uh, I'm trying to have relationships. I'm, God, I'm wrestling with these demons inside of me. I'm wrestling through the night. What are you wrestling with and thinking God has abandoned you? I want to challenge you. Maybe you should stop and think. Maybe you're not wrestling the demons. Maybe you're wrestling God. Maybe if you would just quit fighting him and hold on to him, he could bless you. He could guide you in the right direction. He could change your life. And God loves you so much, and you're punching and kicking and pinching and biting, and he won't let go of you. What do you have that's holding you back? Why don't you let go why don't you surrender all? Why don't you give it all to God?
I'm not going to have you come down front. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I'm not going to make you stand. But I want you to close your eyes with me and pray. So, Father, there's people out here wrestling. A lot of them I know. So many more I don't, but you do. And they've been wrestling and fighting against the demons in their life, thinking you abandoned them and you don't love them and you don't care and you're not present and you're not real. Oh, Father, I just pray. Because I was one of those people that when I quit wrestling and realized it wasn't the evilness trying to take me down, it was you holding me ever closer, pulling me, tugging me, holding close because you won't let go because you love me. Oh, Father, may we grasp hold of you right now and just say, save me. Help me to face the Esau's and the armies in my life. Help me to face the difficulties, but to know and I'm just going to say to you right now, in the sacredness and secretness of your mind, that if you want that from me, all you have to do is in your mind, just open your arms. If you want to do a physical, do it and just say, oh, Jesus, hold me. Show me the way. Give me a life that's a life of integrated integrity, that I am me in all that I do and stand firm in all that I face and be all that I can be and have the life that you want to give me because you hold me close and you love me. Be filled, be blessed, be at peace. Be with Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. God bless you all.